listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. ready? You ready? Are you ready? Okay, here it comes. You've had a week to think about it. It's your turn. So strap in. You say, I'm not a husband. Well, you might be one day or you might not be, but chances are great. You're going to have an opportunity to pour into the life of some young man who's planning to be a husband. And so you just need to be ready. And uh, ladies, you can exhale. Your job was finished last week and just go, you sit back and let me just share God's word to your husbands, but you might want to listen in as well because I think it will be helpful for you. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse number 25. Last week we looked at Paul's instructions to wives because of who they are in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, Paul is, is masterfully explaining who we are after faith in Christ. After we obediently respond to the invitation that God has laid before us by God's mercy, by God's love, by God's grace, through the death and resurrection alone, salvation, forgiveness of sin, the opportunity to be born and adopted into the family of God, being made right with him, that opportunity has been laid before humanity by God's grace, and it's only received, it's only appropriated, it only is effective in my life if I place my faith and my trust In Jesus and Jesus alone, crucified in my place and for my sin, raised to provide my justification and forgiveness of my sin. So Paul talks all about how we have been brought from death to life, how we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're waiting on the, the coming of Christ. We're to, we're to live and to, uh, to, to, to praise him for who he is and what he's done. All this w- about who we are now that we are a part of the family of God by faith. And then in chapter number four, he begins saying, so now that you're a part of the family of God, Here's how you live that out practically. And when we get to chapter number five, he talks about us being children of God and living that out in the home. He's going to talk to to, to wives, to husbands, to children, and then he's going to talk about how we live out who we are by faith in Christ, how we live that out at the workplace. So we'll talk to children next week. We'll talk about the workplace the week after that. Last week, we, we saw what God's instructions to Christian wives are. They are to be respectful to their husband, and they are showing that respect to their husband as they demonstrate submission to him. That submission is a voluntary act whereby the Christian wife submits to the structure that God has implemented for the home, and that is for the husband to take the lead on their behalf 
and for their benefit. As we, family, husband, wife, children, as we follow Christ in our everyday life, God has structured it so that the husband is to take the lead on behalf of everyone. But we're walking together. And Paul says, wives, you look like the church when you submit to your husband who must submit to Jesus. So wives, trust me with him, he says. You can submit to him because you trust me with him. So really, you're just submitting to me because of the one I've put in that place as your husband. It's just a matter of of laying out your thoughts and pouring out your opinions and being loud about it sometimes, wives. But at the end of the day, let him follow me, God says. You trust me with him. Submit. Let him lead because I'm in control of him. I can handle him. You trust me with him as you submit to him. That's hard. That's a hard word. That's a hard thing to hear. But the husbands have a much harder job to hear, even though it's going to sound a whole lot easier. How does that work? Well, let's just look at the text. Chapter number 5 of the book of Ephesians, verse number 25. Paul says, now husbands, love your wives As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, had Paul stopped with husbands love your wives, the husbands would have said, got that? I've loved her since the day I saw her. But what they mean is I'm attracted to her. She makes my heart go pitter-patter. And I've told her from the first time, I love you. And I mean that when I say and I text, I love you. And I put that little heart emoji. My boys don't know I do that. But I do that to tell her. You know why? Because I love her. I tell her I love her. You know how? And I want to express my love to her. I want to hug on her and kiss on her because I love her. And that's not what Paul's talking about. That's a very physical type of love. That can be a very erotic type of love. That's not what God's talking about when he says, husbands, love your wife. And, and I think he explains it because of how off track we would get real quick. When he says, husbands, now your job is to love your wife like Jesus loves the church. And in case you miss what that means, Jesus gave his life for the church. And in case you forget what that meant, in Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So husbands, I need you to understand, yes, I have placed you in a role, not because you're better, Not because you're smarter, not because you're more valuable, not because you have a better head on your shoulders or have a better way of reasoning in life. I have it structured the way I intended it in the garden. And sin messed all that up. But we're going to redeem the home as we redeem the individuals as well for my glory and and the progress of the 
gospel, it's going to be seen in a home. Now, brother, you are going to be in a role, and I'm going to ask your wife to submit to you. But really what she's doing is she's submitting to me. And I'm now calling you to give her every reason to want to submit to you. When I tell you to love her like Jesus. Now, husbands, I need you to understand something. I have wrestled with this text because I am a husband. And I want to go ahead and tell you up front, before we get done, you will be convinced that you have failed in your role. And can I tell you, you're right. Because I'm convinced that I have failed to love my wife like Jesus. But the good news up front is we can try harder. To, to be right with God, try hard. No, you're right with God because of faith in Jesus. But we can sure try harder to live out that faith in our role as a husband. Do you get me? If you get me, say amen. All the people said amen in that first song, and then we got to the end of that song, Eugene, and nobody said amen. It's all the people said amen, and nobody said what. Anyway, we've got a call to love our wives like Jesus. This is sacrificial love. It's agape love. This is love that seeks the greatest good of another with no consideration of merit, no matter what it takes. Agape love is the seeking of the good of another, not because they deserve it, with no thought toward merit. They may be the greatest person in your mind. They may be the lowest of the low as far as their, their actions and their attitudes. Agape love seeks their highest good regardless of what they bring to the table no matter what it takes. What did it take to make sinful humanity able to approach a holy God? The substitutionary sacrifice of a holy God. He had to give his life so that we might be made approachable to a holy God. And we come to him on the basis of Christ's sacrifice and nothing we can do. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't be good enough to attain it. We must come through Jesus. Sacrificial love seeks the grace of good. What does a husband do when he loves her wife, according to this text? He seeks her greatest good, regardless if she's been nice to him today, regardless if she's been good to him for however many years, whether she's mean, nasty, or nice and sweet, he seeks her highest good no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. And I'm telling you, men, we don't do that. We think we do. We pat ourselves on the back, but we don't. But we can try harder. Sacrificial love is a commitment of your will. It is not the basis of feeling. Feelings change. Fights happen. Disagreements occur. Things get yelled. You go to the corner and cry. Men, 
Sacrificial love is the commitment of the I'm going to do this regardless of how I feel. Here's what sacrificial love, here's what it looks like. I just wrote six down. I stole some of these from the marriage retreat we took to Snowbird a couple years ago. Stole some from uh, Chuck Swindoll. Come up with some myself. I'm going to tell you which ones are which. Here's what sacrificial love looks like. It's, number one, dying to self, husbands. It's you dying to yourself. You have a self-life. You have wants and desires. You have things that you think you need. You have things that you absolutely want. You have all kinds of, of ambitions. It's built in you. And in this American culture, it's fueled you to be and become Whatever it is that you've been asked as a child, what are you going to be when you grow up and you've been fueled to have a self-life, a self-image, to have self-confidence and loving your wife means dying to all that probably you've been taught all your life. It's saying no to anything that would ever be more important to you and me than our wives. Let me give you a few examples. Your job and your career must never come before your bride. Your sports that you play or watch or are absolutely consumed by for your children. Living out the dreams and athleticism you never had when you were their age and trying to live it out in your child. You got to die to that because that can become more important than your wife. Your children can never be more important than your wife. You got to die to that. Your toys I don't know if some of you are still playing with Transformers or not, but I do know that a big old section of the man world still plays with toys. They just keep them in the garage or out in the back. You know, there's not anything wrong with toys in the garage. There's not anything wrong with toys that hook up to the back of your truck. There's not anything wrong with that stuff. But if it ever becomes something that's more important to you than your wife then that must be died to. you got to die to that stuff. And you say, well, it's, it's not more important to, her, to, 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 to me than her. Have you asked her? What would she say? Can she even answer that question without making you mad? you got to die to your dreams and pursuits, husband. Oh, I know you got a dream. We learned at camp, did we not, that, that there's a lie that's not in the answer. You know, the, the, the idea is that we've gotten so used to saying, well, what's your dream? Well, my dream is to make a make million dollars no matter how I get it. And you go, oh, oh, wait a minute, that's sin. Sin's in the answer because you're going to get a million dollars by stealing it or by embezzling. So there's the lie. And, and the, the pastor on uh, Wednesday morning said, no, nah, the lie's not in the answer. The lie's in the question where you say, what do you want? That's the lie. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? It ain't about what you want. It ain't about what I want. Our questions now are, Lord, what do 
you want. So guys, husbands, your dreams, your aspirations, you got to die to them because she has to take precedent over them. Even ministry. Ministry? Are you kidding me? There's no telling how many homes have been destroyed because husbands have been more interested in ministry than their bride. Got to die to self. It's being, second, attentive to her needs. It's being attentive to her needs. It's compassionately putting her needs above my own and meeting them. Her physical needs, yes. Her intellectual needs, really? Yeah. Her emotional needs, her spiritual needs. Loving your wife means seeking her highest good and putting her needs over your needs. Your needs are real and they need to be addressed, but in your mind, hers has to be bigger and more important than yours. You say, well, what does that look like? It looks like this, who being in the form of God, did not count his equality with God, his, his place at the side of God as something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, stepped out of glory so that he might put on flesh and take on the form of a servant, putting our needs above anything he could have held on to. Number three, sacrificial love is being faithful to her. Now, before you go, check, I got that. I've been faithful to my wife. Let's just talk about things that are unfaithful. Giving no room to anything that would create a disconnection. Well, the first would be an extramarital affair. Can, can, we, just, can we just agree that there is never going to be an okay for that? So, so extramarital affairs... It's not faithful. In fact, it's unfaithful. But let's keep going. Pornography. If the statistics are true, 70% of men in church view pornography at least once a week. That statistic is staggering to me. But you know what that is? unfaithfulness guys if you got a problem with pornography we have no desire to shame you but we have every desire to walk with you out of that prison you're in prison if you're viewing pornography christ will forgive you you can be restored to wholeness but you have got to tell somebody that will walk with you out. Teenagers, we ain't dumb. We know you've got access to any and everything right there in your pocket. You got to tell somebody. The husbands, no room for that. It's unfaithfulness. Flirting. Well, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a flirty guy. Stop it. Quit it. Well, you know, I'm just, that's just the way I am. They take it wrong. Quit giving them any reason to take it wrong. Stop flirting. Absenteeism, not faithfulness. You're not around. Dishonesty. You keeping things from her? 
You're not telling her the truth? It's unfaithfulness. Jokes at her expense is unfaithfulness. You poke fun at her. My bag up. I know that Stacy and I joke, and I know sometimes I'll go, but ask my wife. Look, if she ever tells me, honey, that, that, I've asked her. That doesn't bother me. No, you're just dumb. You do that kind of stuff. You know? so she, and y'all get me. If it's okay with her, it's okay. But have you asked her? And if, and, if, and if you're getting a laugh at her expense, that's unfaithfulness. That's got to stop because that ain't love. Degrading or discouraging words, you're shaming your wife. Guess what, fellas? We all just, we grow, you know, 20, 30 years into marriage. You know, we don't look like the picture we used to look like. You certainly don't look like you used to look like. So how dare any of us be the troll that degrades or shames our bride? That ain't faithful. Quit it. All right, number four. It's being vulnerable with her. It's opening up to her and revealing your thoughts and fears and hopes. It's loving her. It's, it's letting her in. Well, guys, don't let folks in. They keep it closed. They keep it closed. Stop it. Let her in. If you love her and seek her greatest good, she needs to know you. And she's not if you don't open the vault sometimes and let her in. Sacrificial love is forgiving her. She's going to mess up. She's going to sin. She's going to react in an inappropriate way sometimes. She's going to do something that y'all agreed we weren't going to do. Guess what? You do too. What does sacrificial love do? It forgives without any strings attached. Just look to Jesus. Number six. Sacrificial love is being unwilling to quit. Being unwilling to quit. Husbands, the D word should never be in your vocabulary. You shouldn't. And I, I listen, I know divorce is, is, is you know, it's a reality. It's, it, it, sometimes you have no control over that because it's a two-person street. Let me just tell you, don't make that an option. In fact... Refuse to even say that word. And, and, and if you're the one who refused to say that word and she has gone, then look, stay faithful until there's no possibility that that can ever be restored. Because I believe in a God that can restore every mess we make. There's not a mess too big that he can't restore and repair for his glory. So stay faithful. Be unwilling to quit. Sacrificial love also keeps an end result motivation in focus. So it says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You love your wife. It's a sacrificial love 
that gives up yourself so that she might be first and her needs and her, 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 the, the things that she is, is requiring has got to be first and foremost above all other things. And, and the result you're looking for is an eternal one. Because what Christ did for the church, he saves us, but now he's transforming us through the work of the Spirit in our hearts. And together, we should be looking more like Jesus today than we did yesterday or last week or last year. We should be growing and maturing in our faith. And one of these days, Jesus is going to bring all that to a completion and he's going to throw, throw, he's going to present us before all of the heavenly bodies and go, look at here, she's my bride and it's us. And sin's going to be eradicated and we're going to be absolutely how God intended tends for us to be holy and without blemish and without wrinkle and without spot and we're going to be able to stand before him as that pure spotless bride husbands that's how we need to love our wives with an eternal focus in mind to sanctify means to bring a person into an inner circle of that which is holy Christ sanctifies us by bringing us into the family of that which is holy. You say, I'm not holy yet. Well, according to him, you are. And he's working on that in real time now. But as far as he's concerned, you're already in the circle. He's sanctified. He's bringing that that's not holy into a place of holiness, into a place of of that circle where, where we can be different than we are now. To cleanse means to cleanse morally. To wash means to wash away what is not pure. And notice that he said, with the with water, with the word. So that idea that, that Christ is, he's transforming us into who he desires us to be. And he's cleansing us and he's washing us and he's using his word to do it so that we might be presented. The desire to put another forward, to be seen and celebrated. Husbands, you love your wife when you seek her greatest good in her walk with Jesus where you see her as your number one disciple. Now, she may know more about Scripture than you do. She may be farther along in her walk with Jesus than you are. She might be able to teach you time and again more than you've ever known about Scripture and Christ, but your number one desire is to say, God, you've put me in this role of leadership. She knows more than I do, but God, I am making my focus and my attention her greatest spiritual good. So come on, honey, let's go. Now, what are we supposed to be doing? If you need to ask her, ask her. But be the one in the lead. Be the one saying, we're going to get up. And we're going to go. Honey, why are we going? Okay. Oh, that's why we're going. And take that lead to, with an eternal focus in mind. Husbands, you cannot influence your wife's discipleship. You ready? If you aren't already walking with God, the greatest thing you can do for your family and your bride is to walk close to Jesus every day. Because you can't lead her spiritually if you're not walking with him. And some of us today need to start our, our movement forward by just simply admitting, God, I've been a 
failure leading my family to you because I'm not walking with you. So I need you to forgive me for my disconnect with you and bring me back into a close relationship with you and help me in my walk with you so that I can lead my family. Because you can't lead them if you're not walking it out yourself. Here's your question. And I took this straight from Brother Holloway up at SWO. Your question, husband, is this. Does my wife look more like Jesus because of my influence or in spite of my influence? Is my wife becoming more like Jesus because of me? Or is my wife becoming like Jesus in spite of me? You don't love your wife if you're not leading her spiritually. You say, what does that even look like? Guys, I'm just going to have to tell you. I'm still trying to figure it out. But it's what I want to do and be. And, and it's a conversation we need to be having with one another. So how are you leading your wife? How, how are you leading your family? How, how are you spiritually guiding your and, and as we talk, we, we'll figure out ways to do and put this to practice. But it begins with your walk with Jesus. And then you can invite them to walk with you. Then Paul takes another example, and we'll do this quickly. Verse number 28, he says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul says, if, if that didn't make sense to you, let me put it this way. You need to love your wife like you love yourself, Every sane person cares for his own physical body. How do you mean? Well, a sane person, if they're sick or if they hurt, they seek to address their need. You break your arm, a sane person will go, uh, I'm going to need somebody to get me to the hospital because my body's hurting and I need to get it addressed right now. Paul says, love your wife like that. Love your wife, be as concerned about her as you are your own needs. In the same way, husbands are to be as attentive to their wives as they are their own bodies. But ladies, I got this. Let me tell you something real quick. Husbands, if you are a slob who is way overweight and doesn't take care of yourself, don't love your wife like that, okay? Don't be a slob with your wife. That's if you're just a you know, if you just let it go and you don't care, then please don't apply that to how you love your wife. The idea is more general. And you know how you take, you get a pain certain places, you, 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 you want somebody to help you find out something going real quick now. Could we get a call in? That's what he's talking about. Be as attentive to her as you are your own body. You know why? Because Jesus does that for, or for us. Now look, Jesus attends to our own needs as his bride, the church, right? We are 
can we say one flesh with Christ as his bride? It doesn't mean we're Jesus. It means we're united with Jesus. That, that's what the marriage is about, showing that connection between the church and Christ. So, so get this. This will blow, blow your mind. I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but the idea is as husbands care for their wives, they're actually caring for their, themselves, their own body. I'm like, how does that work? Well, as Jesus cares for the church, he's caring for his own body. You're like, whoa. So Jesus meeting my needs is actually him caring for him in the same way that we are one flesh as husband and wife. We're, we're united with him in his death. We're united with him in his resurrection. Man, that's mind-blowing how that Christ cares for us like his own body. Well, that's how we're to love our wives. Our attention to loving her should be as evident as our awareness of our own aches and pains, hunger and thirst, sickness and fatigue. Christian couples have the opportunity to model both Jesus' relationship to the church as well as Jesus' relationship to his own Father through the actions of submission, respect, and sacrificial love. See, couples, we have a chance to live out the gospel as we interact with one another. You say, well, folks are never going to pay attention to that. Well, they're certainly never going to pay attention to what you have to say about Jesus if your marriage is in the dumpster. Because they're going to go, if Jesus can't affect your marriage, how in the world are you? So, you live this out. Even if you're the only one of the two that's going to live this out, live it out. Show that attitude. Show that, that, uh, that determination, that commitment to the will. Show that so that you might be showing the gospel as much as dependent upon you. So, husband, we got some applications. I got two of them. And here's what I want you to do. Or here's what I'm inviting you to do. Number one, ask your wife a series of questions and give her the freedom to answer you honestly. Now, don't look to your wife and go, hey, what he's about to say is to go ahead. No. These are the questions. And I want you to go home and ask them face to face. This is date night material. This is the kids are in the bed. This time to answer, and she might not be ready to answer all of them, but give her room, give her time. You ready? Here we go. Question number one, husbands. If you're a follower of Jesus, husband, question number one, is there anything in my life that I allow to steal from you? Do I have anything going on in my life that steals from you, that takes from you? Give her time. Give her room and give her the ability to look at you and say, ever since you got that promotion, we got way more money, but I got a lot less you. Ever since you got that toy, it's, it's really, I really want you to have fun. I know you've always wanted it, but if you want me to be honest, I know that that thing is more important. It takes more of your time than I do. The hobby, the sport, the buddies, ESPN, give her room, give her time, 
and then hear her. Because chances are great, God's already heard her say that. She might not have gotten on her knees and said, Lord, you need to do something about my husband. Because, but you know, God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And if your wife is feeling and weighing under the fact that some things are more important to, to you than she is, I guarantee you, your Lord has heard that, and you do not want that burden. Question number two. Honey, what needs do you have that I can seek to fulfill? Chances are great she's going to go, I don't know. And it may be uncomfortable for you. Give her room. Give her time. What needs do you have that I've been ignoring? Guys, you, we, got, we got bubbling, budding future husbands right here. You think this don't matter. But I promise you, you get this right. And I promise you, if I, if, if I perform the marriage, I, I'm going to make you all know these things. But listen, what needs do you have that I can fulfill? Give her time. Let her tell you. But don't ask that question if you're not prepared to meet that need. If you're not prepared to go, all right, let's do it. You know, if your wife says, I, I need for you to go next door and break in and get my bowl back from uh, our neighbor. She took it and she didn't give it. Okay, you got to be the lead and go, okay, that's against God's word. I can't do that. But if it's legitimate, listen, what needs do you have that I can fulfill? Question number three. This is a hard one, but you need to ask this. Honey, are there any areas or relationships in my life that make you uncomfortable? Have I got anything going on in my life that causes you to go, and I just I don't understand why you feel like you need to do that. It don't matter if it's the favorite TV show you got on the DVR that, you know what, I, all I got to do is when it gets to that part, I just fast forward through that part and so I can watch a show. Look, ask her. She probably knows what's on your phone. And if you got a password that your wife don't know, let me just tell you, that's sin and you need to fix that. Let's talk about it. Again, I won't shame you. I won't talk ugly to you. But I'll tell you from right now, that's wrong. Is there anything in my life, is there any relationship, do you see anything going on that makes you uncomfortable? Then give her time. And if she tells you, fix it, end it. Okay. Question number, I told y'all ladies, you, you were faithful. You didn't get mad. I didn't get any text or emails. I told you it was going to be hard on them. Us. Question number four, what can I do to be more open and vulnerable to you? And then give her room to answer. Well, you could talk to me when I ask you, how you, how you doing? When I see you're struggling, and I, I'm trying to understand. I want, and I ask you, and you say, fine. And then, but ask her. And then give her room to answer. And then act on that if you love your wife. Question number five. Honey, is there anything that I can do that, or is there anything that I do that consistently causes you pain or sadness? Anything I do or say, do I ever joke? Do I ever tell and, or do things and, 
that just constantly, like, puts a knife in your heart. Is there any? Listen to her. Chances are great. She's already told you, and you already know what it is. But give her a chance to tell you again, and then fix it if you love your wife. Repent of that. It's sin. It's unfaithfulness. Question number six. Honey, what are some ways that I could better demonstrate my love to you practically? Like, how could I show you my love for you? Like, how, how could I show you my desire to seek your highest good in a practical way? What, what could I do? Say it? What, do the dishes? Wash your car? No. Rub your feet? I don't know. Hold your hand? You say, well, how, how do I do that? Well, I bring you to application number two. And that is... Gary Chapman wrote a neat little book called The Five Love Languages. Now, it's not scripture. It's not. But it's some really good stuff about how to express love to one another. Because guess what? Most couples don't speak the same love language. You say, what are you talking about? Look on Amazon, The Five Love Language, Gary Chapman. Download it, order it, get it shipped, put it on your iPad, read it together. And then ask her, honey, what's your love language? And once she tells you, act on it. Demonstrate your love for her. And if you really want to love her, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And my wife's going, he still ain't read that to me. Honey, I promise you we're going to read this book. I've read it so many times. We're going to read this book if we can stay awake at night, okay, honey? We're going to read this. She might be reading it to me. I don't know, but... The meaning of marriage. Get it. Read it. Pour into each other. Wives, ask your husband, how can I demonstrate respect to you? I want to build you. I want to pour into you. What can I do that will, that will do that in a meaningful way to you? When we submit to one another and respect one another and we love one another, guess what we demonstrate? The gospel that gave all for the good of those who don't deserve no matter what it takes because at the end of the day that's what it's all about right the gospel so let's live it out at home for god's glory husbands you got a big job every last one of us needs to do an absolute inventory of our life and our love I promise you there's not a husband in this room that doesn't need to repent for something. Let's do it. Let's be committed to our wives as an expression of our commitment to our Lord, as a reflection of His love for us, for His glory. Amen? Okay. Children? You're next. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our wives, God, those that have them. I thank you for my bride. She just does not know the role she plays in my life. She doesn't know it a lot because I don't tell her enough. But you and me both know that without her, 
Well, without her, there'd be a lot missing. So we thank you for our wives. God, we thank you for these husbands. We thank you for these young men and women who one day may be a wife and a husband. We pray that they will look toward your desire for the home and this relationship built and grounded in Jesus and Jesus alone. Built and grounded on our walk with your son and how that you've given us an opportunity to just live out the life of your son with another human being that we can be bonded together spiritually, united, and become one with and given an opportunity to reflect your love for the world through the one that you've given to us. What a cool design, and we thank you for it. Now, God, I ask that you will help these husbands. Yes, to feel it right between the eyes. But I pray that we will all feel it, address it, and take a step forward toward it, toward her, toward you. God, I pray for that one who may be here today that's never trusted Jesus. God, may they hear it clearly. You love them. In all their sin, you chose to love. And you demonstrated that through providing Jesus, crucified for our sin, raised to new life, to give us new life. If that's you, you've never trusted Jesus, nobody's looking, just you and him. If you believe that God the Son put on flesh so that he could die for you, you realize that you're a sinner in need of forgiveness, and you just say, God, I'm a sinner. I I, I don't deserve anything from you, but I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that you, you sent him to die, and I believe he died willingly for me because he loves me. And I believe you raised him from the dead. You defeated death. You defeated my sin. And I want to put my full trust, my complete trust in Jesus, who I believe is alive right now. God, I want to to be a part of your family because of what Jesus has done for me. I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. I want you to make me new if that's you. And that's the heart cry. Just call on him. Book of Romans says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No questions asked. Just cleansing and washing and new life. And if that's you, I hope you'll let one of us know before you leave. We want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. We want to be able to talk about maybe walking together in the days to come. God, thank you for a day that we can lift you up. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our love, our devotion. 
because of who we are in your son. God, use us this week to make an impact in the lives of others for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.